B-Side content represents the opinions of the host and his guests. We acknowledge that some subjects may be sensitive in nature and not suitable for everyone. B-Side content is for informational purposes only and should not be taken as medical or mental health advice. And if you do need physical or mental health guidance, please consult a licensed healthcare professional. Hello, this is Brian with The B-Side, a podcast about dad grief, what it teaches us, and how it can make us better. This is Brian. Welcome back to The B-Side. Today, I want to talk about a subject that is near and dear to me, and creativity. And it's, I will argue, and this is my little soapbox, uh, that it's Probably one of the most important subjects uh, out there, I believe. It's absolutely world-changing. And in many situations, I believe creativity is sort of passed off as a secondary thing. I think I think Lennon had the line of, you know, um, being an artist and, and many people viewing it as, some, as painting on Sundays. And, and I think in life we tend to take this uh, approach that creative efforts should be uh, a thing we do when we're not busy doing the real work that that commerce and capitalism requires of us. And while this subject is something that I see as super important, it's also what I believe is one of my greatest failures with my relationship with my daughter, Galia. In the past year, I read uh, a great book on grief uh, from Ivan Maisel, um, last name M-A-I-S-E-L, and the name of the book is I Keep Trying to Catch His Eye. And uh, Ivan Maisel, is a, he was a longtime uh, college football reporter for ESPN, and this book is about his son's um, passing. Um which they've ruled, I believe, was a suicide. And uh, he goes through, uh, he talks a lot about um, his relationship with his son. I, you know, he, a lot of the stories, uh, he talks a lot about the mental illness that his son faced. His son also had autism. and uh, But he also was very candid in the book about coming to grips with the relationship he did have with his son and, and didn't have while, you know, while he had him, um, his son, uh, passed away in his, his college years. His son also had a love for photography and was studying that in college. And, um, the title I keep trying to catch his eye was, is really tied to his son while his son took amazing photographs and, uh, captured, you know, sort of stunning images uh, he himself hated to be photographed. And I think the book is particularly helpful for men. He has a very straightforward writing style. And, uh, it, and I think he brings a real raw honesty to subject matter. Um, and just, I guess, that honesty with you know, his relationship with his son or lack there of a relationship. I mean, he, he was all into sports and his son could care less. And um, that was what really got me and how that book really spoke to me. And I, I think that any parent who loses a child, this is me generalizing and thinking on my feet here, we, we are faced with the reality of coming to grips with the relationship we had or didn't have with our child. And that's what really uh, spoke to me in the book. There were many things that did, but that, that's the, the piece that I want to focus on. And this does round back to creativity too. Um, 
as as was the case in the book, um, you know, the, the son and father were were sort of polar opposites. He, you know, um, Ivan Mazel was an ESPN reporter, and and you know, um, football and baseball and sports were his everything. And then to have a child where it, that is absolutely nothing to him, and he's sort of begrudgingly going to sports events and things like that, it's a shift for the parent. And I know in my situation and. For I had what I would always say is the best of both worlds. My son was very athletic, and you know I grew up playing sports, and we we could bond over that. And but I also had another side to me that you know I I taught myself to play guitar through the years, and I I grew up in a family that of my parents were immigrants, and they valued you know practicality and hard work, and I really appreciate what they gave me on that front. Um, and I think I was sort of my 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 mental engineering was such that I would always sort of prioritize the practical things in life, you know, going out and, you know, making money and doing the right thing as, you know, a responsible dad, a spouse or whatever. It's just, those are just the right things to do. And it's what you have to do. Right. But there was always a side of me that was curious about creative things. I was never much of a painter or anything like that, but I did I did start to get into writing. And one of the reasons I chose an English degree was that it was the thing I was crappiest at. I had a math mind, but I became curious about literature. I became curious about stringing words together and getting better at it. And I taught myself how to play guitar. My, my brother, actually, when I was young, bought a guitar from a friend, and he tried it, and it kind of wasn't his thing. And I would sit there and kind of noodle with it. And um, then through the years, I ended up sort of teaching myself, and I would learn from other people and take some lessons here and there. And I've, you know, through the years, sort of cobbled it together. And, and I'm really grateful that I did that. It, it created some moments with my daughter that really worked, because she loved music and dancing around and just being a kid. And I can remember one time, and this is honestly one of my most cherished moments with her, is that she was having trouble academically. And we, we, in hindsight, we kind of learned that some of it had to do with how she felt. She wasn't very, she didn't feel very good. She was pretty getting lethargic at times. And I think she didn't know how to express that and explain that. And she was trying to just get through her days. And I think it, it really, she struggled academically. So we were doing a lot of tutoring and things like that. And so well, she was in kindergarten and she's learning sight words and stuff like that. And she's she's struggling. And I can remember, um, we, I thought to myself, one of the, one of these, we were just having trouble. I think she, it was sight words that she was having a hard time with. And, and so one day, instead of doing it the old fashioned way of sitting there with flashcards and all that stuff, I thought we had recently, she, I don't know if she was in like a choir thing or something like that, but she sang the song, What a Wonderful World with uh, some of her peers at school. And I thought, oh, you know, I can learn that song. And I had this big whiteboard in my office and I still do. I, I kind of live and die by whiteboards. Like I need I creative thoughts that show up and things like that. I need to jot them down. And so I have a lot of scribbles on whiteboards all over my office. And at the time I had this massive whiteboard and uh, so I took all the lyrics and, and I wrote them down and then I circled like her sight words and they're the real simple ones, kind of I and you and, and other things and, 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 and 
and things like that. And I said, and I kind of had her eyes following along it. And I learned the, the chords real quick. I found them online and we sort of strummed along. And, and I, I sort of forced her to kind of let her eyes sort of scan across the words, even though she didn't know the majority of them because there were, you know, a lot of bigger words that she, she couldn't, uh, you know, obviously read, read, but you know, with the ones that were the sight words that were circled in there and then the music, you know, something began to click there where she started to remember them and we would kind of talk about the sight words that are circled after we try to sing it and pluck through maybe the verse or the the chorus and things like that. And uh, it really was uh, one of the most beautiful moments I ever had with my daughter. It's the gift that creativity gave me to be able to take a moment in my life where, you know, there's a lot of tension when your kid's not getting it and there's peer pressure around them. And, you know, maybe she has friends that are achieving and things like that. And she's kind of having trouble getting the basics down and, you know, she can feel insecure about it. And so when you're sitting there with flashcards all the time and she's getting it, she's not getting it, you're trying to be positive and, and all this stuff. I mean, creativity and that moment and that experience, we were able to sort of take the pressure out of all that. And we were able to just kind of laugh a little bit and do some learning along the way. And in coming to grips with the relationship I did and didn't have with my daughter, I also realized that creativity was my greatest failure too, because I had the wrong lens on our relationship. And because I was wired and, and sort of raised by these responsible immigrant parents who, who, who did a good job in many ways, I give them a lot of credit and I respect them. But, you know, my mindset at that time, particularly when they're little, little and your kids are acquiring a lot of basic skills, is just, I, I, you know, so much focus on making sure they, you know, they're fed, they're clean, they're, 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 caught up academically and things are going okay and that, you know, they're able to function in the world. And I really prioritize those things. And I can remember thinking about my daughter and just how different my kids were. And I I really did have a deep understanding for how different they were and how blessed I was. Uh, But in action, I kind of failed with it with her because what I did, and this is what I recognize in in hindsight, and I, you know, I don't even recognize in hindsight. I I think I, I I recognized it in the moments I did have with her. And there's some shame here for me on it, to be honest with you. I think my wife and I sort of categorized our children early and we saw Ethan, our son, is sort of the all-American kid. He was, he did, school came very easy to him. He just attracted friends very quickly. He, you know, could, he was great physically, could learn a sport in 10 minutes and, and, and go play, right? And my daughter was just a little bit more of a rebel streak. And she, you know, wanted to explore, you know, painting and coloring and she loved music and she, she was going to be something different. And I think in my mind, I mean, one of the things she enjoyed as a child doing it, I enjoyed doing this with her was that she would rearrange her room all the time and she would make it a classroom and she would, you know, put, uh, I'd put things on the wall and be like, well, this is your chalkboard. Maybe we didn't have like the resources of an actual chalkboard, but, you know, we maybe put some white, you know, butcher paper up there or something. She'd be like, yeah, this is the chalkboard and this is where I'll, you know, or the whiteboard and, you know, where I'll write, you know, the notes for the kids. And, you know, then the dogs were like the students and sometimes I was, you know, and, and I could see this creative mind trying to, it, with those experiences, I saw her as really trying to create the adult world that we were modeling for her. And, 
you know, and then when, when she was painting and slapping paint around and, and loving colors and, you know, digging in the soil and planting flowers and wanting to see, you know, all the different colors of flowers we could possibly muster up, you know, her, she was free. And the problem was that I recognized it. I acknowledged it. I, I expressed to her that I loved her for it, but I didn't do it enough. And I think in the back of my mind, I always thought, well, you know, she may be on a path where, you know, I, I always saw her as like an interior designer or something like that. And that I could, you know, maybe help her with her business someday and, and things like that. And that I kind of saw our relationship as evolving very differently from my son's because, you know, maybe my son would probably get the scholarship to the four-year university and, you know, have some choices. And she might I foresaw her kind of muddling around. I used to kiddingly refer to her as sort of the bass player, right? Where she's, you know, sort of essential to the team. But, you know, because she wasn't so rigid with formality and she wanted to create and to let her mind wander, I knew that she would maybe later in life have some discovery in front of her. And I was willing to do that with her. And I was even looking forward to it. But the problem with that is that I in the back of my mind, I think, always had this thought of, well, I'll tend to that later. I'll focus on making sure she's a functioning uh, youth, then, you know, adolescent, and eventually an adult. And then we'll kind of do all this creative stuff later. Not that we didn't paint like crazy when we were in the hospital and, and do all kinds of messy, fun things. It's not that I was completely absent. However, I know that mentally there were times when I was too checked out. I was just sort of checking boxes, whatever, call it the the sort of craziness of parenting and getting things done and all that stuff. I, 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 I can cut myself a little slack when it comes to that and wanting to be a responsible dad, but I also don't want to cut myself slack. And I don't want to, you know, stay in this sort of like pathetic space, but I do want to recognize that it was a failure of mine. Mentally, I saw myself getting more creatively engaged with her later in life. And Bug, if you're listening, I was wrong. I was absolutely fucking wrong. I absolutely should have played in the sandbox more. I should have absolutely, you know, sang more songs with her. I, all those things. And while there's a time and place for the responsible stuff, there's also a time and place for creativity. And I'm going to argue it's not just Sunday. In many cases in this situation, I put it off till Sunday and Sunday never came. And I think this experience really made me aware of how I see things like this play out in everyday life. And this, the book uh, by Ivan Maisel, it, it, it sort of brought it back to me. And that it, I, I see it oftentimes around me, uh, this, all this need to go get and do in life. And we can make everything so chaotic and so crazy. And we forget what's right in front of us. And there's, it's not that we shouldn't have goals. It's not that we shouldn't take care of responsibilities. Um, but there is the opportunity to not engage in creativity. And I think over time, it has an extreme dulling effect on relationships and us personally and and really our souls. And I know that today, one of the ways I honor Galia is to continue to play the guitar and to continue to play around with songwriting 
And I honestly can't even look at the guitar or touch it without thinking of that moment we had with that song and trying to teach her the sight words. And I, and as I wander through life after losing her, I have this opportunity to have learned from this, this failure in life. And I see how in, in other people, when I, particularly when I'm maybe engaged in some of this polarizing nonsense that goes on in the world and this, this kind of incessant hatred that can show up. And I always think to myself, like, what if that person, you know, if I see someone who's really angry and I see someone who's maybe beating a drum that has a super negative tone to it, so to speak, I'm speaking metaphorically there. And I think to myself, like, what if that person could play the piano and and sing? You know, what if that person could not worry and fear for a few moments in their life and just let go? And I know that that was the reason my daughter came into my life. And I really yearned for her journey to continue and that someday we could maybe propel that message out into the world together. And I I didn't get that opportunity. And that's one of the reasons why I, I, I chose the tagline of, uh, the B-side, uh, dad's grief and tunes is that, and it, it's taken me a little while to get to the tunes piece. And I, I do want music to be a bit of a theme throughout this entire podcast, because I, I see how it absolutely transforms people. And I see how creativity can completely soften people to make them much more human and much more open and understanding towards one another. And I think this is extremely important, particularly for men, It's that need, I believe, to get away from the old narrative and pictures of what we think we should be as whether they be, you know, providers or pictures of strength, whatever the heck they are. But creativity allows us to tap into a little bit more of who we are to learn more about ourselves. And I'm going to argue, and I I was saddled with this myself, I, I think a lot of us as guys, and I, I don't think we even want to know that. Right? I think uh, it's a lot easier to just go and be what others or society or whatever thinks we should be. Sorry, I think my dog's barked in the background there. There's another book I read. Uh, uh, I kind of read and reread. My son's reading it right now. It's a, it's a book by a gentleman whose name is Jeff Tweedy. He's a songwriter and a singer for the band uh, Wilco, a Chicago-based uh, band. And um, I've always respected his work and just him as a person. And the, the book is titled How to Write One Song. And there are elements in the book that are truly, they are literally exercises and practices for how to write one song. But the, the true beauty in the book, and this has become almost like my grief Bible, and this is not a grief book, um, but it, it, the beauty of it is that when he talks about why it's so important to write a song or, or, or create something and just the beauty of letting go and and creating something. And he has this, and I'm paraphrasing this because I don't have the book in front of me. Um, he has this line in there. So he says something to the effect of, you don't need to be a musician. You don't need to be um, a guitar player or anything like that in order to write a song. You just need to make one sound. And I think 
the beauty in that is that as human beings, we can often catch ourselves not allowing ourselves to be vulnerable enough to just make one sound, to just make one little creative nudge in life. We will do it on Sunday or we'll put it off or we'll just dismiss it as unimportant when it is an absolute opportunity to be a better person. One of the joys I have right now in life is to watch my son uh, learn how to play guitar. And what a gift it is to watch him learn because (laughs) he's such a mirror. I mean, all of this responsibility crap that my wife and I embedded into him. I mean, it's, it's alive and well. I mean, he's, you know, he's got the straight A students. He's working hard in college and he's, he's doing so much right. But with the risk of trying to play an instrument, he's never played an instrument in his life. I tried to put a guitar in his hand when he was like eight years old. He's like, yeah, no thanks. I got to go run around outside. And that's fine. I never pushed it on him. But, um, so he, you know, he, I gave him a couple of my guitars and he's been trying to play and to see him use it as an outlet to overcome his sort of uptight type A personality. And to, you know, he has, it's, it's, he has this wonderful, I think, mix of what I call like perspiration and inspiration, right? Where he, I think he practices at night before he goes to bed and he just tries to sound out chords and just tries to get cleaner with strumming them. Okay. And just getting better, right? Those are the mechanics, the foundations you need to, to do this. Right. But then he plays around with writing lyrics and he's inspired by things that he reads and he'll jot down little poetry things. And, and he is learning to give himself permission to make mistakes and not be perfect and to sound bad. And, and you know, what is, I think, set out in the world and uh, with some gurus and stuff today, sort of embrace your suck, you know, stop being so fucking perfect and responsible. And, and again, I, I do believe that this is, this is critical for men. And I want, I want to kind of close on, on this piece with, uh, hopefully this kind of sums it all up. It, creativity is not a light subject. It's not, again, something to just do on Sunday. I believe it is essential to every single human spirit. Whether no, And if you don't do it, I promise you will become a fucking disaster of a human being. And and again, you don't have to do a lot. You just have to make a sound if it is music that you're curious about or whatever. Um, I was I had a, recently had a counseling appointment. I have, a, I have a fantastic counselor that I do these kind of monthly check-ins with, and um, it, it's it's a female. And I've had male counselors, and um, it's <laughs> one thing we were talking. I can't remember what we were, we were talking about. Something about men who do things and women, just kind of like male, female differences. And she made this statement. She said, you know, I I realized that some men don't age well. And we were kind of talking about people in our lives or people that we've seen who's gotten older and they just sort of maintain this bitterness. You know, you'll, you'll hear this. I'm in my early fifties and I hear this more, uh, perhaps people around me who, or, or people who are a little bit older than me. And again, not that I don't have some fantastic examples of older people in my life, but you know, some of them where they can't really let go of the past and they're angry about the future and they're, you know, they're angry or uptight about something, always something, right? And it's, you know, dang younger generation, all that stuff that you may hear. 
And, um, you know, but just that statement, you know, some men don't age well. And it's true. I think if you are an angry, grieving dad, angry male who is, you know, maybe approaching middle, middle age or just beyond that, and you can't let go of the fucking anger, um, I think you don't have the balls to just make one sound. And I know because I've been that guy. I, I, you know, I, after Galia died, I boxed up my guitars for a little while. I just, I had to go to work. I had shit to do and that's fine. Right. But it was painful. It's painful to play guitar. It's painful sometimes to engage in different creative efforts and because it, you know, it does remind me of her and it reminds me of what I, what I miss about her and what I missed when I had her. But, uh, you know, I, I heard this statement in sort of different circle in my life right now of, you know, uh, it goes something to the effect of loss is the currency paid for further insight. And I, I firmly believe that that does apply to this situation as well. I have the chance to use this loss, this missed opportunity, this failing in my life to let it give me further insight. And that, that further insight is deep and it's rich and it's real, you know? So yeah, you know what? My son and I are going to write some songs and just play some horrible shit and have a really good time. And it's super important because I know that when I do that, when he does that, we let go. When we, when we walk out in the world, we can relax and we can hear different perspectives and, and not be threatened by them. We can accept people. We can not get so pissed off because somebody didn't say the right grief phrasing or, you know, somebody said something callous or whatever, and all this shit that we get caught up with in grief. This journey isn't just about us overcoming the fact that we lost our child. That experience is teaching us every moment that we're alive. And I firmly believe that there's an opportunity there for us to learn from it. And when it comes to the topic of creativity and being a man, uh, it's, it's not a side gig. It's the real deal. Thanks for listening.